With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I get excited when Coach Duvall comes up to the office because Coach Duvall is excited. Uh, I think he sees a, a lot better attitude, uh, improved attitude, guys working together down there. I think he sees a work ethic in there that, that we didn't have a year ago. And we, you got to remember, we were starting at, at square one a year ago. Uh, some of the guys had never been through a workout that looked anything like what Co- Coach Duvall is putting them through. Uh, this year, after being in it for a full calendar year, uh, guys weren't starting at square one. They were, they were starting with a pretty good base. Uh, he sent me some stats. I think on average our, our team's lower body strength is improved by 100 pounds per man, upper body by 50 in the squat and bench, uh, putting on close to 10 pounds of lean body mass per man. We're in a lot better place in a lot of ways, but strength and conditioning is way ahead of where it was a year ago. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. That was head coach Scott Frost on the Husker Sports Network as getting us ready for spring practice. Uh, things, if you can believe it, start up on Monday. I can confirm they will not be out outdoors for practice. Nate and Robin, that's the only thing we probably know at this point as uh, Nebraska gets ready to open up spring practice. But lots of news, lots of storylines. Um, you know, Scott Frost made two appearances publicly Wednesday, so... Uh, covered a lot of ground. Uh, we're going to talk about the new hiring of Tony Tuiati. Nate, give me my – did I get it right there, Tony Tuiati? Well, based off the phonetic spelling on the website, it's Tuioti. Tuioti, okay. But Frost was saying at the chamber, Tuiati. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. This, <laughs> It's like – Well, Fanoti. It wasn't Fanati. It's Fanoti. Yeah. The phonetic, at least the way I read the phonetic spelling on the press release and on the website mm-hmm. is – Tui Odi. Okay. So we're going to dedicate a whole segment Tui-Odi. of that. Yeah, Tui Odi. Tony Tui Odi. We will talk Tony Tui Odi in our next segment. Coach um, Tony. We'll call Coach, him Coach, Coach Tony. T. Coach T. Tough T. <laughs> Double <laughs> T. Lots of other things to cover. You heard from Scott Frost, and this was to be expected, guys. The gains this team has made. Uh, but to hear it in numbers, you just heard it there. 100 pounds on the squat. Did I hear right 50 in the 50 bench? 50 is what he said. That's like Robin at Prey Life. Yo. Every year, Pushing right? Pushing some weight. Yeah. I get stronger every year. Every year. In the, but <laughs> but those, I mean, works, those, right? those are some major league gains that he's throwing out there. Um, the, well, the, the 10 pounds on lean muscle mass per guy. He I mean, said that's, 13 at the Chamber of Commerce really? thing, so I think he was underballing it on, yeah. that, on that recording. So you're going to see, obviously, this team, I think, take a step forward physically, mentally, and that's everything I've heard, um, just where they're at right now. Um, you know, they're just such year – year two is always going to be better, and I, I think – that's what we're going to see now. Unfortunately, we don't get to see any of the first week of practice. So we'll get a pretty much an all-day media session on Tuesday where we're going to be over there from about 11 to 2 interviewing every single person in the program. Um, so Tuesday will be a long day of content and news and notes on Husker mm-hmm. Online that will carry into Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, but we won't get to see practice, which means – uh, we won't really have an idea what some of these newcomers look like, but that, that there's a lot of exciting things, Robin, when you kind of get ready for Monday. Yeah, and you know, obviously they're going to keep things pretty veiled, um, which I don't. I mean, obviously it's not good for us and for our readers that want information, but I think you know part of when you open things up too much, you start getting the hype train get, getting a little out of control, and so this way they're able to kind of control the message. The coaches are going to be the only ones, the players are going to be the only ones, um, you know, giving reports and updates, and they can get this thing as escalated as they want it to be. So uh, I think that, I guess, is maybe a little smart given the amount of excitement that's already building around this season. Um, but to their credit, they're pretty uh, forthright with you know talking about guys and giving honest takes. Um, so if there's a player that's standing out and is really impressed over winter with strength and conditioning and um, is you know, getting off to a good start in spring ball, uh, those coaches are going to say it, and they're going to give props where props are due. So uh, I think we'll get uh, learn a lot about kind of where this team is and how far along they are 
not only compared to where the coaching staff want them, but um, to where people expect them to be uh, with the way they ended last year and then with all the reports of how good this offseason was with strength and conditioning, um, this should be a completely different team than the one we saw a year ago. Yeah, I, I think that's why I don't necessarily – I'm not upset about it, um, you know, because they do give honest takes. You know, yeah, that's the thing. If you're kind of just giving these, he's all right, you know, he, he's on the come. You remember, yeah. that's like he's all swimming those, in it. He's yeah. swimming in it. Yeah, he's getting his getting his sea legs. That, that, uh, well, I guess that is that was the staff. That was kind of their buzzword at sea times. Legs. But but at the same time, I feel like I feel like they're pretty upfront and honest. And as long as we're doing our job and asking good questions, that we're going to get. We're going to be able to get a lot of information out mm-hmm. of them. It's not like uh, they're saying that Joshua Clue has a chance to be the best safety in the nation. Oh or, yeah, you know. I mean, that was Bob like Diaco's. That. Just he went. He went all in there. That and, was and, unreal. And he 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 lost his money on that bet. He yeah. sure did. And and you know a lot of that thing too by keeping it closed off is you I mean sometimes people that don't necessarily know what they're talking about have platforms that uh, allow them to overhype someone yeah there were a lot of eyeballs inside some of those football practices that didn't know what they were watching yeah and so you get these reports that kind of inflate what expectations should be and to kind of do an injustice to the players that uh this you know perception of what they are and what they should be this season is probably a bit inflated to where they actually are as a player you're listening here to the Husker Line Show Sean Callahan Ron Wachette Nate Klaus some other storylines, no news on the status of Maurice Washington. You'll hear Scott Frost's full comment on that uh, later in the show, but uh, we don't know really if he's going to be a part of practice. I've heard nothing to this point for me to believe that he won't be. I mean, that he, he's going to – I believe he'll practice, guys. Um, and I, I have this weird theory in my mind. One of the reasons they don't want the media in there the first week is – they don't want the warm-ups with Maurice Washington to have 25 cameras right on Which him. Which is exactly what would happen. The whole yep. time. So uh, they shut down. There's no photo access until week two, Wednesday, or is it Monday? Yeah, Wednesday. So, yeah, they're, they're going to go a full 10 days. And I would think by that point, we're going to know more than Maurice Washington. Yeah, and again, like we were talking about, these coaches are going to say it like it is. If he's practicing and he's looking good, they're going to tell us that. And uh, you know, some some might defer to Frost, but Frost is you know pretty uh, honest, and that's all you can ask for in this situation. So obviously, that's a very delicate situation that um, they're trying to keep in under control as much as possible. Uh, and yeah, I think that if they would have opened this thing up day one, you're exactly right. I mean, those before the you know Maurice Washington even steps onto the uh, Hawk Center Field. I mean, they're going to be cameras swarming them and saying, "Look at look at this guy!" And it'd be this circus before like you even start your first spring practice. And so I think by isolating the team, it keeps your focus better. It pre- prevents all these outside distractions, and it takes just some of that unnecessary, I guess, stress off of Maurice Washington and his teammates. Yeah, the last thing you want is is for day one to just be a complete circus and. I mean, there's already a lot of media at practice every single day, but you know, for you would a fact, add some extra bodies. Yeah. Like news reporters there and stuff. Yeah. I'm sure it'd be like out of control. Yeah, it would just be nuts. So, um, you know, I like the fact that that they, you know, kind of seem to have a firm grasp on that and, and are trying to to do things the right way in that regard. And then one other uh, topic here to get on, guys. Um, you know, tragic stuff here with with Javon Dewitt. Uh, Scott Frost announced on his radio show that Coach Dewitt was diagnosed with a form of throat cancer. Um, it's a very beatable, treatable form of cancer, uh, but he will be away from the team as he goes through something like that. You know, we saw something similar this past year in the Omaha high school scene. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, Coach Lamaji at Omaha Burke had a form of throat or tonsil cancer where he battled it over the summer and was back by August. So, um, you know, something that you never want to see, uh, but thankfully at least the early diagnosis looks good for a guy like Javon DeWitt. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is worst case scenario with with anybody uh, associated with your program. Uh, but you know, the good news is that at least what Frost has uh, relayed to us is that it seems pretty optimistic that there will be a full recovery, and it is a very treatable form of cancer. But um, you know, obviously, if all thoughts and you know, prayers go to Dewitt and his family. Um, you know, this is a, a scary deal, and anytime you deal with something like this, when when that C word gets thrown around uh, that that kind of shakes you down a little bit so hopefully uh, things go as well as uh, everyone hopes and he is back on the field sooner than later well and this was something that you know rumblings kind of started coming out that somebody was dealing with an yeah, issue yeah, last that. couple of weeks of uh of the no, black, nobody was guessing his name period. yeah but yeah no one was really guessing javon dewitt's name is because there were a couple uh, graduate assistants that were out on the road recruiting before, leading up to signing day and 
Uh, so this did kind of come as a surprise, but you know, hopefully they got they got an early enough detection to kind of get ahead of it, and and uh, hopefully Coach Dewitt can can kick this. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk more about the newest hire of this staff, Tony Tuiati. Discuss the process Nebraska went through, the number of names that we kind of heard, maybe they interviewed for th- this position, and why Tuiati is a good fit. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We interviewed a bunch of people all around the country. Uh, the two things I was looking for first and foremost is somebody that was a great technician with the D-line. Um, it, it's different being a 3-4 team than a, than a 4-3 team. And Tony speaks our language. Tony knows the scheme. Uh, they ran a similar scheme at Cal, did an unbelievable job on defense. Uh, when you interview him, there's just no doubt he knows his stuff and is passionate about it. Um, you know, through the search, we were looking, number one, for a good technician, and number two, for a good good man that was going to fit in with the type of character men that are on my coaching staff. And, you know, there was a lot of really good candidates, but I think it was pretty clear to all of us who the who the lead guy was, and we were lucky enough to get him. It means a lot. I'm excited. I've been waiting for this, uh, for this moment from the last time I had this conversation with Coach Frost telling me that I can come and work here at the University of Nebraska. So I'm fired up and I can't wait for uh, spring ball to start and get with these get with these boys. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was Scott Frost and new defensive line coach Tony Tuioti. Did I get it right this time, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. I, yeah. I butchered it on the way out there. I got it back. Um <laughs> This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Five locations in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's. Watch all the college basketball action, the American Alliance football action all throughout the weekend at any one of those Tanner's locations. But Tony Tuiati, guys, comes in. Um, Tuiati. Tuiati. All right. I just got the look. Tuiati comes in. Kind of an off-the-radar hire in a lot of respects. Um, you know, I, I think naturally, Nate, I'll go to you first on this one. When you when you make these assistant coach hires, every, every fan clamors towards the recruiter, the Ed Orgeron, the Tosh Lapoy, Tosh Lapoy, yep. and that that guy in this search became Craig Kuligowski. Yep, and yeah, but not necessarily for his recruiting prowess, for development, his, his development, and uh, ident- yeah, his identifying and. And, and he interviewed. We were able to confirm, at least, that he was one of the names, many names that interviewed for the process. But it sounds like this was about as wide of a search for a position coach as, as we've seen at Nebraska. Well, I think that's why it took so long. I don't know anybody who initially would have predicted that it would, would have taken you know this long. Over two weeks. Yeah, way, well over two weeks for it to, to finally become official, um, especially when you, you have to figure that Coach Frost was tipped off by Dawson um, before it became official that he was leaving for the New York Giants. So uh, so this was a process, I mean, it was probably approaching close to a month where, where Frost probably knew and, and could get, you know, things in order to start interviewing and whatnot. And, um, you know, and initially I think a lot of people said, okay, well, who's out there that, that Frost has connection to? Because that's typically how things work in the coaching world. You, you go with where there's a connection, you know, where you, where you either worked with someone in the past or, or someone, you know, is, uh, you have a mutual connection with somebody or, or whatever the case may be. But there's not really a glaring connection in, in this case. So th- I think that tells you that, that Frost really was going out and trying to get the, the very best guy that he could get that fit what they want to do at Nebraska and fits this culture, fits this coaching staff and everything. And, and everything that I know about Coach Tuioti, uh, it seems like seems like he is going to be a terrific fit here. And um, he's not necessarily, um, you know, a guy that's coming in with a resume that's, that's super impressive. You know, he hasn't sent a ton of guys to the NFL. He hasn't signed a ton of five-star players. But I think he could eventually get there. And I think what was as important as anything is, you know, he's a, he's a like-minded guy, but he brings his own personality. And, the, you know, during that Chamber of Commerce speech, I know Scott Frost mentioned that, uh, was that Tony, he likes to have guys that are all on the same page, but you can't have a staff full of Scott Frost. I mean, you need different personalities, different ideas, different experiences, uh, and just you know, basically a different perspective to really make you the best that you can be. And so I think that was a big part. You know, he didn't just go and get somebody, you know, from the good old boys club, you know, one of his old buddies from a previous stop. You know, he, this what truly was 
a nationwide search. And they found a guy that obviously fits their 3-4 scheme uh, and has a pretty good track record of making uh, the most of uh, what some would perceive as lesser talent at Cal and Hawaii or wherever it may be. Um, but, you know, he's got elite-level coaching experience. I mean, he's, he's coached in the NFL. Um, you know, he was at Michigan as the director of player personnel. Uh, you know, he's been a head coach at the, you know, college level. He's been assistant at the uh, college or uh, head coach at the high school level, assistant at the college level. And so, I mean, he's got a wide range of experience on that resume to where it might not have some of the heavyweight names on it, uh, but, you know, he's he's got a lot of coaching under his belt. And so I think just being able to relate to players on a lot of different levels, he fits that bill. Uh, obviously, uh, Scott Frost isn't going to hire a guy that doesn't fit per- the personality of the rest of the coaching staff, so he fits that. And then, you know, Nate, you can maybe speak more on this, but those, those that Polynesian connection, I mean, you can't be more entrenched to the Hawaii recruiting pool than this guy is. And some guy on the board was, like, kind of getting annoyed that we kept bringing this up, but it's a legitimate topic really point. Is. I mean, like, you cannot recruit within the Polynesian community without really an in and a community of your own on campus. And now Nebraska has that, Nate. Well, yeah, anytime, anytime any Polynesian recruits step foot on campus, I mean – they are automatically going to be greeted by a, a coach that's that's from their community, and and he's going to have you know a wife and seven kids uh, here, and and they in no Paula Gates, and then you've got Noah Pola Gates, his cousin now a softball yep. player, uh, yeah yeah, uh, his cousin is, is going to be a softball player at Nebraska, you know, and for this year in particular, you've got Vaha Vanuku, um, you know, Bo Wilson is part Polynesian, so you know I, I think it's, it leaves at least gives you the building blocks to to start building something and and I've been reaching out to recruits that that t- coach Tuioti was recruiting while he was at Cal and kind of asking not not just about him but asking you know is Nebraska a place you would be interested in going with coach Tuioti there and they've been saying yes and this the Polynesian players in particular have said Nebraska and coach Tuioti can recruit in the Polynesian community now. And so I think it's a legitimate discussion. And, um, you know, I, I, I think from a lot of the coaches that I've talked to that I've kind of reached out and, and asked about, uh, I've been really impressed with what they've said. They, everything's been pretty glowing. Uh, one coach told me that, that Coach Tuioti is he's the guy with all the answers to the test. And now that he's at Nebraska, he'll finally be tested. Um, it, everywhere he's been, it's kind of been easy. And, um, you know, and Nat Cal, especially – uh, one one coach told me that Justin Wilcox is like the defensive version of Scott Frost. He's a young coach and he's really really he's good. He's a at, really good coach. He's really really good at what he does. And so um, the coach I talked to said, "That's all the farther you have to look to to really uh, understand if this guy's a good coach or not." Because Justin Wilcox would not have him on his staff if he wasn't a really good football mm-hmm. coach. And I'll tell you, if I was a Pac-12 fan, this would have me concerned. Because you got a guy going from Cal to Nebraska, and you're seeing this a lot. Pac-12 schools can't pay their assistants, and this is where the Big Ten TV money is going to help Nebraska and other Big Ten and even SEC schools over the rest of the leagues. You can basically pick good assistant coaches now to leave Pac-12 schools. We saw it with Dante Williams coming from Arizona to Nebraska. Even mm-hmm. um, you know the Big Ten and the SEC can up the salary to another level. And, um, you know, I think this is an example where the Big Ten money made a difference. Yeah. And again, uh, he might not have the same resume as some of the other people on Nebraska's wish list. But, uh, you know, Nate said it. Uh, this he seems pretty to be, good resume yeah. though. I mean, I mean Michigan, it is, it is. Michigan, Cal, Cleveland Browns, Hawaii. I mean, that's a pretty good proven resume. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. And so uh, obviously, there's I think more to that resume than some people are giving it credit for. And uh, the fact that very highly regarded coaches highly regard him uh, says basically everything you need to know about what caliber of coach he is. The thing I like too, uh, especially with with the recruiting aspect of it is that he was the point man for Michigan's recruiting in 2016 as a director of player personnel. And that means, I mean, so he was he was the guy organizing everything. He was he he did everything from top to bottom. Um, you know, the coaches get all the get all the credit, but there's a group of people that are, organize every recruiting class and and kind of lay you know set everything up for the coaches to knock it down and uh, every year. And and Tuioti was that guy for Michigan. And that year they signed the number four class in the country. They they had you know I think one five star and like fourteen or fifteen uh, four star recruits. And so he's been on both 
both sides of the equation now. He's recruited as a full-time coach, and he's been the administrator, the guy organizing everything. And that's uh, one of the coaches I talked to said that he's known as a very, very organized recruiter. So I think that's going to also give him uh, the ability to recruit at a high level now that he's at Nebraska. You're not dealing with the academic standards that Cal has. You're, you're, you're dealing with a place that has more tradition, so on and so forth. So I, I think everything lines up for this to be a really, really good hire. All right, when we come back, we are going to shift over, talk some hoops. Uh, Nebraska basketball has one of their toughest stretches of the season. Uh, we'll also talk a little uh, upcoming Boys State tournament. There'll be some Nebraska-type targets to watch closely here in Lincoln starting next Thursday uh, when the boys' tournament opens up here in Lincoln. So that's all next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. What's, what's great about uh, Nebraska basketball, I think, is uh, I, I believe that the brand is getting better and better and better in high school basketball with the AU basketball in, in college also. Look at what Omaha is doing, and, um, and and I think that's important. You have that try run, that that run. Look at the attendance at Creighton in Nebraska, and the support that those teams are getting. Uh, I think that's really important, and uh, it's good to be a part of. It. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan around Washington. That was head coach Tim Miles talking about just high school basketball and its improvement in the state of Nebraska since he's been here. And and we saw that this year, obviously, with the number of offers and recruits. Now Tim Miles has taken. From the state of Nebraska, and then he mentioned, obviously, both Creighton and Nebraska, they're not top 10 national in attendance. Um, there are some sleeping giant elements to this state, and um, I think the talent has gotten a little bit better, Robin, and, and you know we'll see a lot of that talent here next week on Thursday when the state boys basketball tournament opens up. Yeah, basically, I mean, you can even point back to like 2016, 15, or whatever, Justin Patton came out. Uh, that was really, I think, the turn of a real resurgence in not just uh, overall talent, but elite level talent that's come out of the state. Um, you know, obviously Creighton was able to capitalize on those guys early, but recently uh, Nebraska's kind of made some hay. Um, you know, say what you want about Brady Hyman, but he was the number one player in the class. And then 2019, they got a Cola Rope, arguably the number one player in the class. Uh, 2020, they got Donovan Williams to commit uh, from Lincoln North Star, the number one player in the class. And then 2021, they have offers out to the top two players. Uh, Chucky Hepburn and Hunter Salas from Bellevue West and Millard North, respectively, uh, that are very high on uh, Nebraska. And I think the difference is, and Miles kind of mentioned this, is as far as the University of Nebraska is concerned, it's becoming cooler to play for Nebraska than it was, say, 10 years ago. Like, I think Nebraska was such an afterthought to those top-level in-state kids that, you know, they were immediately looking for the, the best opportunity out of state. Uh, and if, you know, obviously Creighton kind of became cool for a while, but you know, the fact that Nebraska has gotten better, uh, they have facilities, they're playing in the big 10. There's a lot to like about this program that, you know, kids are more willing to accept the idea of staying home and playing for Nebraska to where Nebraska actually has a chance to get those kids. There's more of those kids. And that is what it's going to take for Nebraska to finally get out of this rut um, and get kids that don't, you know, you're getting nationally that don't really care about Nebraska. If you get a bunch of kids that want to play for their home home state and are truly invested in the program, that is what separates uh, a program, you know, for where Nebraska was to where it wants to be. And Robin, I was with Drake Baronic, former Husker guard in Kearney this week. We were just talking Nebraska basketball. And he goes, you know, when you look at Tim Miles, he goes, he's done the hard part at Nebraska. He's brought in the pro level talent. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, what's missing is kind of the easy part, kind of the role player guys. And right. he goes, you look at UNO right now. He goes, you get a, a Mitch Hahn at Nebraska, a six, nine guy that can shoot threes. And, um, it, 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 I thought he made a good point. If they could just get back to finding the in-state role player guys that could hit the threes to go with the studs that miles has brought in, that's the formula. And for whatever reason, miles got the hard part figured out. It's mm -hmm. the easy part. Um, identifying the Mitch Hahn, identifying the kid at Car you know that, that kid at Carney Costner. If you could have got him to walk on here, he's averaging twenty points a game at UNK as a freshman. He could have been a role player in some sort, um, you know. And, and I, I think I I don't know if you agree, but I want that guy here over the over a Thorby and Arsich, over an Amir Harris type. I think those are better role players if you have the other guys around them. Yeah, and you can go down the list of guys that Nebraska picked over some in-state kids that 
might not had i mean their, the profiles weren't all that great to begin with might not have that same uh national profile as the guys they did pick and yeah i know a lot of fans want to root for nebraska kids and it makes sense like a, an easily kid could you get him to walk on yeah, and, and then and within year two or three he's a scholarship guy maybe right i mean charlie knows? easy from Pius is who he's talking about and nebraska's been well aware of him for a long time he was at their elite camp uh when he was a freshman going into his freshman year of Pius. And so they're well aware of him and they've offered him essentially a preferred walk-on spot. Uh, but that's the difference. Nebraska's just kind of hoping those kids like a Justin Costello or a Johnny Trueblood or whoever choose to walk on or Drake Baronic for that matter. Uh, and again, it's kind of what the football was going through a little bit. At some point you need to make in-state kids a priority. And uh, you go back to the beginning of Miles' tenure here. Uh, you know, he took a chance on Deverell Biggs and it burned him. And so I think a lot of and that then a rope kind of played him. Yeah. Or uh, uh, a gal, a gal, a gal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that and then a rope went bad. Yeah. And so, you know, there was a lot of instances where, you know, he was, I'm sure, reluctant to hit the in state. I think he probably thought he could find uh, talent with a lot less, you know, headaches. I mean, within state kids, there's a lot of politics, especially around this program. And, you know, if you pick one kid, people are gonna be mad that you didn't pick their kid and you get a lot more of that within state players. And so I, I guess that's probably part of the reasoning, but going back to my original point, Nebraska needs kids that want to play for the university of Nebraska, not play for the assistant that has ties to the East coast or the assistant that got them out of Florida or whatever it may be. You know, you need those players, you need those elite level potential all conference players, but what makes that program take the next step as far as the culture is concerned is getting those kids that we've mentioned. We've listed off like 20 names already of guys that could have helped Nebraska, could potentially help Nebraska, or, you know, probably are helping Nebraska right now. Like Treshawn Thurman, he's playing for Nevada right yep. now. You've got guys at San Diego State. I mean, you've got some kids sure. around the country sure. um, at different places doing things, but the Mitch Hahn one at UNO, I mean, that, that one does, I think, strike a nerve because you see a 6'9 guy from Fremont. Mm -hmm. I mean, that guy's the same way. He, they wanted him to walk on. That guy's made to play in front of Pinnacle so he, Bank so Arena. So he took the Division One offer. And so that's the thing. I mean, I guess it's about taking the risk on a guy that probably isn't Big Ten ready coming wait, out of high and, school. And waiting it out when your job's on the line. And you'll read, the way, only way you can do that is when you're not basically going year to year trying to refresh your roster. And so roster stability uh, is a necessity and for job that to stability. happen and job stability so you're looking long-term build instead of immediate quick fix and so when miles decided to go the transfer route he kind of lost the luxury of taking risks on guys that you know you were taking knowing full well they were going to redshirt and hopefully be uh you know consistent contributors by their junior year and so that that i think uh is part of the, the process but um with this you know whatever happens with you know the future of this coaching staff i do think there needs to be a recommitment to prioritizing nebraska kids especially if it's a toss-up situation you can take a kid from iceland or you can take a kid from grand island whatever it is Take the Nebraska kid. The fans are going to want it. The fans are going to support you. Uh, you're going to get good graces with in-state coaches, and it's only going to benefit you, even well, if the kid doesn't pan out to be the player that you might think he could be. And Doc was guilty of it as much as anybody, too. I mean, Doc yeah. had so many opportunities as well, and they took guys from overseas over the local guy, or too. Mississippi Jucos or whatever. Like, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, his, his recruiting was a whole different situation. But, again, I do think that, you know, for for that for Nebraska to take the Mitch Hans and, and you know even Charlie Easley yeah Charlie Easley you need to allow them the opportunity to build into Big Ten players because right now or coming out of high school they're not ready to be true freshman players and there are very few kids that are and a lot of times you have to leave the state to find those types of players uh, but when you have uh, consistency and continuity within your roster it's a lot easier to justify taking those kids and even developing like a prep school plan that doesn't appeal to a lot of local i mean prep schools just aren't a part of the language in nebraska kids nope. are i mean if you told the guy we'll maybe take you if you go to a prep school for one year there's no guarantee yeah creighton did it with Kyrie thomas and it worked out great nebraska tried to do it with a cola rope and it blew up in their face so bruce chubb senior a, cola, uh, a guac a guac rope sorry bruce chubbick senior was really upset i mean it, but it ended up being the right call i mean yeah, it worked out for a guac i mean He's basically playing starter minutes, if not starting, at San Diego State right now. So good for him. Where would he be playing at Nebraska right now if he was on this team? I mean, he'd be playing, for no question. No, qu I don't think he'd be starting, but he'd be one of their first options off the bench, no doubt in my mind. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough tough hill, and Nebraska's road will be difficult, obviously, with Michigan, Mich or with Michigan State coming up mm -hmm. here this weekend. And then 
uh, you close out at home with Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a very, very difficult. Yeah. And Fran McCaffrey will be back. Yeah, his first game back from his suspension after once again berating an official. You think him and Gary Dolphin will hang out and watch the game together? <laughs> I do not think I don't they think will be hanging out, out at either. all. Uh, sorry, so as far quick, we'll just really touch lightly on Nebraska season. Basically right now they're playing to not be in the Wednesday game in the Big Ten tournament. And right now they're 11th. Rutgers is 10th, and really Rutgers is the only team they can catch. And Rutgers owns the tiebreaker. And they own the tiebreaker. So they have a one-game lead in the standings. So really it's a two-game lead. Yes, and so Nebraska obviously has to win one at least to even have a chance. I, I guess I don't know what the tiebreaker is in the Big Ten. Well, it's team. head-to-head. It's Rutgers head-to-head. and Nebraska would be head-to-head. It's head not to overall record. I would think head-to-head would be the first tiebreaker, wouldn't you? I mean, That would be my guess. So, all right, and then so they probably need to win two then. Two and, and Rutgers. Rutgers needs to lose out. So other than that. Yeah, and so – Maybe the the silver lining is you get a chance to play probably Northwestern uh, in the first round, and obviously Northwestern is even worse than Nebraska is. So you could get a win, you get a win, you get some momentum. Who knows? Well, and you know I don't want to wear you down because I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> use you, I'm gonna go to you a lot here down the all stretch, right, Robin. Right. So we'll 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 keep you we'll keep yeah, you on ice this yeah. week, and we'll we'll try to we'll try to dive into the heavy stuff more as we get closer to that time. Four more games. <laughs> all right, when we come back. Grace Harmon is in studio out of class to join us, and we'll take your questions with Grace in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, Coach is going through some things, and um, I'm sure people would have noticed he's, he's not going to be full-time participant at spring practice. He's, he's got a, a form of cancer in his throat, and I think it, it came according to the doctors from an illness that he had earlier in the year and a virus that set in there. He's an important part of what we're doing, an important part of what we've done. Um, he's he's fighting a, a good fight right now. The, the diagnosis is pretty good. I think it's a high percent chance that it's a curable type of cancer and he's going through the, the necessary things to, to try to win it and he's got all of us behind him. So we're rooting for him and, and we're going to get by without him. Uh, I know he's going to want to be out there and do everything with the team and he's going to do as much as he can, but he's got more important things on his plate right now. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washington, Nate Klaus. Please bring in Husker Online intern Grace Harmon. That was head coach Scott Frost just on the update of outside linebackers coach Javon DeWitt, who's battling throat cancer as that was one of the many storylines dropped this week from Coach Frost. But lots of questions now to get to in the mailbag. Grace, where do you want to start us off at? All right, let's start with the new defensive line coach. Uh, What was most important with Coach Frost in that hire, coaching or recruiting? I think coaching, um, I feel like, Recruiting's a given almost. I don't know if like you can just hire a guy that can only coach and not recruit. I mean, we've seen some of those hires at Nebraska, Hank Hughes, uh, Bruce Reed, guys that could maybe coach that knew how to watch film, but they weren't very good recruiters. And that really sets your staff back mm-hmm. when you have guys like that. So I think it's a given that you have to recruit, but obviously fit to me was the most important part. Yeah, fit, uh, the ability to have knowledge of what they want to do defensively and also provide some different ideas. Uh, but I think you look at the defensive line, um, that's one of the groups that needed as much development as any group on the entire team. And so clearly this guy was not brought in without that being one of his biggest strengths in the mind of Scott Frost. So I think that development um, and his ability to relate to players and connect with them and let them understand what he's trying to teach, uh, I think is all big parts of what brought him here. And obviously the recruiting is a, a nice little plus on top of that. Yeah, I believe it's all development. I mean, you listen to pretty much everything Scott Frost has been saying since he got hired at Nebraska and they believe that, that as a staff they can recruit at a high level, but you you got to develop guys once you get uh, to Nebraska and once you get those kids in the program. And, and I think that's, above all else, that was something that, that he wanted in this new hire. All right, kind of staying on those same lines, do you see stronger defensive recruiting starting to complement the offensive firepower this team has? It's, it's going to have to happen. And I think on the defensive line, you're starting to see at least the last two recruiting classes – Casey Rogers, Tate Wildeman, and then this year you add in a Brant Banks, um, an Ethan Piper. Ty Robinson. Ty Robinson. I mean, so the the number of recruits they're building on the front, it's starting. Nick Henrich, Jackson Hannett, linebacker, um, Garrett Nelson, Garrett Snodgrass, still missing that elite Randy Gregory type guy on the edge. 
Uh, but yeah, the depth was a huge issue last year on defense when you look at snap counts for Nebraska versus snap counts versus their opponents, and they've got to shore that up. They can't play their guys as many snaps, Nate, as they did a year ago. No, you can't. And and I think that that uh, you know just given the fact that that Scott Frost is an offensive head coach, I think that side of the ball was maybe lacking a little bit right off the bat. Uh, but it, it's coming around. Uh, you know, I, I look at the 2019 class, and I feel like. They landed, you know, at least one guy at, at all three levels where that guy has a chance to be pretty, pretty, you know, maybe even an elite level type of, uh, you know, talent down the road. So uh, I think it's coming. And, and once the defense starts having more success, that's when you're really going to see that side of the football take off recruiting wise. Is there anybody on the roster right now that could develop? I mean, of those young guys, those redshirt freshman guys, I know they didn't get necessarily that. Uh, known commodity is the pass rusher, but I mean, I think that there's probably some potential there on the guys still in the roster. We talked about Tuioti's ability to develop, uh, you know, being but year is the two defensive in this end game, a pass rusher, or is the that's outside what I mean, linebacker in a three pass four? Rusher. And so I guess it depends on what your idea of where that that pressure is going to be. And I think when you look at the outside linebacker, uh, that edge rusher, I think they have some bodies that I think they could potentially bloom into that given the right instruction and the right development. Yeah, Jameen Graham, Nate, is one, you know, that, yeah. I mean, it's he's kind of a high-risk, high-reward guy. Like, he's either going to not be able to develop into what they want or he could be a freak. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I don't think there is a risk at all with Jameen Graham. I, not a risk, but, you know, like, you, there's well, still... Yeah. yeah, if he doesn't, I mean... It, the way I look at him is if he doesn't if he doesn't pan out as a as a outside you know as a pass rushing outside linebacker then I'm given his frame I have no there's no question in my mind that Zach Duvall could pack some weight on him and he could be a five technique uh, defensive end so uh, I think that he's I think he's a really good body to have in the system you know I look at some guys you know maybe David Olson is a guy who's currently on the roster who redshirted we we really haven't seen a, a lot or heard a lot about him. But you know what? He had. I mean, he was he was like regarded as a top player in the state of Minnesota coming out of high school. So um, you know, and he put up some really good numbers in high school. So he, maybe he's a guy that uh, that kind of turns it on and, and does something uh, out of out of the blue this year. All right. So with spring practice starting soon, are there any surprise players going to be missing from a couple of those practices right off the bat? Uh, you know, obviously Maurice Washington, and w- will he be out there? That's number one. But they've really done a good job of running through the injured players. Um, I think Cameron Jurgens is one. There's a lot of smoke that his foot could be bothering him still. Um, and with his value at center for the future, that's one. C.J. Smith we know mm-hmm. is going to be limited. Um, I'm trying to think, Robin, anybody else? Will Honus, like how will he be full contact or not? Right. I mean, there's some guys like that. Yeah, I think there's some dudes that were coming off uh, season-ending injuries uh, that might – still probably be you know the least limited participants in spring ball and so um yeah as far as we know though there ha- i don't think there's many like glaring surprises of dudes that uh got hurt or for whatever reason aren't practicing come march 4th especially you know starters you know, guys that that were entrenched as as being uh maybe the face of their position group or whatever i, I don't foresee that being the case, it sounds like uh, Tate Wildeman and Casey Rogers are, are going to be able to come back from from their injuries. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not really anticipating any major uh, absences. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Grace Harmon. All right, so who has the best shot to crack first or second All Big Ten this next fall? Well, take out um, J.D. Spielman. I mean, I think that's a given at this point. But And then I'd say Martinez, right? I mean, yeah, I think Martinez is a Heisman Trophy. <laughs> preseason third best odds in the country i think hymas um with a good year and a good year by nebraska's record Uh is somebody khalil davis muhammad barry yeah barry would be up there for me and boodle yeah well yeah boodle was third team all big 10 last year so Mm -hmm. you know maybe lamar jackson makes a big a big jump and gets on the list somewhere i like your optimism i don't i don't know if i see that i mean I, i hope he does but it just seems like his tackling is still Going to have to improve to get to that level. I wonder if any of those running backs, I mean, obviously, Divine Zigbo came out of nowhere. If there's somebody like that in that group, obviously, Washington, Washington has that potential, yeah. but with his status unknown, I'm just wondering if the rest of that group has the ability to play I think, up to an all conference level. I think if it was somebody, I mean, you'd probably would point to Diedrich Mills mm-hmm. since he's kind of done it before. He's mm-hmm. a freshman All American, he was all all ACC guy. So. Maybe he's. We at least know that he has the potential to be that 
right. person. Wandale, I, I think his production is he could have some impact plays, but his production may not be as high because of JD Spielman yeah. and some other guys. But by the way, new spelling on Wandale Robinson. Yes, here yes, we found uh, just perusing the Huskers.com website that Wandale, which we'd always spelled W A N D A L E, one word, is now W A N apostrophe capital D A L E. So get that down. Now, does that change the pronunciation? Is there like an emphasis on the is it Wandale? Do you emphasize the D harder well, than you normally would? I don't think so, unless there's a <laughs> unless there's an accent, right? <laughs> I don't know. On that note, all right. Uh, final question here: the mailbag race we have to end on. All right. So, uh, did any of you guys have childhood childhood nicknames, and if so, what were they? Oh gosh. Um. God, I, this is one I don't want to go first on, but I was I went through the the gamut of like uh, rap rappers and just were putting my name in it. So like the notorious R O B, uh, Big Rob, <laughs> uh, Rob Dog, uh, and then obviously with with my name being what it is, there were plenty of really original jokes that spurned from that. I bet. Hey, Robin Hood, where's, where's Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I Next. call you Paul. Yeah, that's Paul. Robin's real name is Paul legal first name and yes. robin is your middle name correct but i've been called callie i've had ants that call me shawnee um callie for callahan obviously um but one of the more random ones was puffy mm-hmm. because my initials were spc like sean puffy combs don't mm-hmm. ask me how some knucklehead guy in south omaha just started saying that and it kind of stuck with a few folks and um it's catchy yeah so that yep. that was one that um was when I was about 16, 17, and when I got to UNL, it kind of carried down here. So people that say that, they know me from way back in the day. It's usually the ones that you don't want to stick that end up sticking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've learned. Nate? Um, yeah, so, I mean, Nate Dog. <laughs> Nate Dog is like, you know, that's the – Oh, yeah. That, that was the big I think, one. I think there was a time when you just put dog. Yeah, put dog behind it, yeah. your, your name, you know, and, and you're good to go. Uh, Klausy. I mean that's I mean that's just put a Y on the on the end of yeah. you know your last name that's for most people I guess not Washity Washity yeah <laughs> um, you know and then uh, nasty that was oh, Nate, yeah. Nate's original rivals.com screen name years ago was nasty one yeah. nasty one yeah. like the letter one or spelled oh, out spelled out that's good uh, yeah but in in college yeah that was nasty nasty Nate oh nasty Nate yep all right Grace. <laughs> <laughs> you roasted us that question. What was your nickname? Uh, my siblings, due to an unfortunate misspelling a long time ago, call me Grave with a V, oh. like gravy. My siblings still call me Gravy. Oh. So. Oh, I, I, I was thinking, I'm like, eh, that's kind of dark. Like, like Gravy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool. Gravy with a Y. Um, my dad calls me Gracie May, even though May is not my middle name. My brother was 25 before he realized that my middle name was not May. Huh. So yeah. My daughter's middle name's May. Mine is not, but <laughs> it's a nickname. So there you go. All right. Well, well that wraps gravy. up the mailbag. Grave. <laughs> Thank you, Grave. We'll hear from Grave down the road here uh, as she covers Nebraska baseball over the weekend. But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk some recruiting with Nate Klaus to close the show. You're listening to Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, you know, that, that's kind of come into light lately, and I've certainly learned a lot about it lately. Um, I, I can't talk much about it. All I can tell you is anytime there's charges or accusations against our players, we're going to take it really seriously and cooperate any way we can with uh, the people that are involved in that. We'll say, you know, our guys at Nebraska need to understand they don't just represent themselves. They represent their team and the athletic department and the University of Nebraska. Uh, it's disappointing to me any time that any of those, the team or the university, are represented in a bad light. So I, I'm disappointed in everything. But I, I'm hopeful that the process moves quickly and, and uh, there's some clarity shed on the, the subject for us uh, real soon. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Uh, that was head coach Scott Frost talking about Maurice Washington publicly for the first time. He's had some written statements with the university as that was the first public comments about Maurice Washington as we get ready to start spring practice. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, we're going to close here with some recruiting thoughts. And I wanted to use this, Nate, to kind of talk about the running back position uh, with some of these newcomers coming in. Obviously, Maurice Washington's going to probably play a factor. Uh, but I think this spring and this fall camp, 
there's a real unique opportunity. I mean, I, I know there are some people like, why are they basically taking four running backs if you count Wandell Robinson as a running back? Um, and now you're kind of seeing why. I mean, it's if you take Maurice Washington away from the spring, White Mazur and Jalen Bradley are like your top two running backs along with Wandell, who's more of a slasher. Um, so the door is open. And let me tell you, Ramir Johnson coming in and obviously Dedrick Mills, uh, Dedrick Mills, and then Wandell. I mean, it's a very interesting group that's going to have an opportunity to play. Well, yeah, you look at that room, and outside of Maurice Washington, there is nobody that has any any you know track record of success at this level. I mean, uh, it's it's largely unproven. Um, now, obviously, Jalen Bradley got what a handful of carries in a Purdue game is his true freshman year, and then we really haven't seen anything. Um, you know, so it is. It is, uh, I think, a really big opportunity for for a lot of these incoming guys, especially like a Dedrick Mills, who, uh, as we mentioned in the show, I mean, he's he's accomplished it. He's he's proven that he can be a factor at the Power Five level. Um, so, I mean, assuming that you know he's he's healthy and and is able to to get on campus and pick things up, I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to to come in and be productive. But um, you know, Ronald Tompkins is a little bit of a wild card coming off of back to back knee injuries that cost him uh, the most most of his junior year and then all of pretty much all of his senior season. I know he's rehabbing, trying to trying to get to the point where he could possibly play. Uh, but I think that Ramir Johnson, Dedrick Mills, and, and Wandell, those are three, you know, incoming players that, that have you know at least the potential to to really make an impact on this team. You look at some of the track numbers that Ramir Johnson is putting up. Um, you know, in New Jersey right now. I mean, coming off of an unbelievable indoor season, uh, I know he he kind of rewrote the record books there at Bergen Catholic. Um, you know, I mean, I had a college coach, college track coach, tell me that his his uh, 200 meter time uh, when you um, you know the indoor 200 meter time, it, it, there's some sort of was it 21 six equation um, indoor. It was it was twenty one five. Oh man, that's indoor. Impressive. He said that's he said given um, you know whatever the the equation is or whatever. He said the outdoor two hundred time uh, after a year in in the in college strength conditioning program, he'd be pushing twenty one flat, uh, is what this coach told me. And so um, and that's fully automatic, not handheld. Yes, and so I mean he can flat out fly. So I, he's going to be really is he faster than Jamie Nance. No, um, Nance is in still the one hundred. In the one hundred, yeah, Nance is Nance has him in the one hundred. Uh, but I think maybe in the sixty, um, in the two hundred, then Ramir is faster. Um, which I don't know. Uh, but I'd love to be able to put those guys in a race. You know, both uh, Ramir Johnson, Jamie Nance, and um, uh, Gary Pepper might be able to do it next yeah, year. Yeah, Gary Pepper might be able to do it. I mean, you saw Woodyard uh, go out for the indoor track season this year, and and. Uh, you know, so I'm sure that and a lot of those guys are planning on running track uh, next year. So, so we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, I would not write off really any of those incoming running backs, except maybe Ronald Tompkins. I think that you know, just don't know what you're going to get with him uh, with his knee. But uh, it's going to make that that running back room, especially during fall camp. I mean, really, really intriguing. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk. Uh, some recruiting, Nate. It was another interesting week on the in-state front. I was around in Kearney and Grand Island areas um, making the rounds, but uh, some more major offers coming to two guys particularly, Teddy Prohaska, 2021 offensive lineman at Elkhorn South, and then Xavier Watts, receiver at Omaha Burke, both received Michigan offers. Now, Deshaun Neal received a Michigan offer um, a few years back. Then before that, I think Trevor Robinson might have been the last Nebraska yeah. kid to get a Michigan offer. I mean, that that's quite a statement um, for Michigan to come in and offer two Nebraska kids. Well, and not to take anything away from Deshaun Neal, but when he got his Michigan offer, I believe it was kind of late in the process. And so, and they were going through a coaching change as well that same that year. That was Harbaugh's first. That was Harbaugh's first year. And so, um, so I look at Teddy Prohaska's and, and Xavier Watts's Michigan offers in a, through a different lens. Totally agree. Uh, because they're, they're coming so early. Just and like so, Trevor Robinson, he got his on day one exactly. that many years ago. And yep. Notre Dame and Michigan offered Robinson back on the September one day, day one. And mm -hmm. it's a little bit different than, obviously, the, the Neal one. Yeah, and you, you throw Notre Dame in the mix, too. That's, that's a team that's requested transcripts from T Teddy Prohaska. They've already offered Xavier Watts. So, I mean, there probably won't be – too far behind Michigan and in, in officially offering uh, Teddy Brasca. So, 
Um, I mean, some top-level talent. I mean, you look at what this, the offer list that uh, Xavier Watts is putting together right now. It's pretty darn impressive when you're talking about uh, Michigan and Tennessee and Notre Dame already. and Northwestern. Northwestern. Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. I mean, uh, his, his, it's not just – it's starting to branch out a little bit more uh, to some teams that recruit nationally and, and also, you know, the Tennessee offer. Now you got an SEC team in the mix. And uh, so, I mean, it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how that whole um, – you know, recruitment plays out because much like this point, you know, in the, in time last year with Nick Henrich and Chris Hickman, I don't, I wouldn't say that Xavier Watts is a lock for the Huskers. Now at the end of the day, I think that's, they're going to make it hard. Yeah. Nebraska, yeah. It's going to be really hard for, for, uh, you know, I think that he probably will end up at Nebraska, but it's, he's far from a lock at this point. And let's stick on that subject of Wisconsin. You mentioned what we, we just talked about them. How about the news out of Madison? Alex Hornibrook announces his transfer this week. You were down in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl. You saw Graham Mertz, the quarterback, coming into Wisconsin. Does this news surprise you at all that Mertz, his presence in Madison, has already ran Hornibrook, a three-year starter, out of town? Yeah, not really. I mean, you, you, Graham Mertz, I mean, he's he's the real deal. Where's uh, he from in Kansas City? What school? Overland Park. So um, I, I've drawn a blank. I don't know if it's Blue Valley North or – what what high school exactly? I'm drawing a blank. And on he that, was but. not ever a fit for Nebraska's offense. No, he's I mean, made he's more, he's for more, Michigan, Wisconsin yeah, style. Yeah, he's more of a of a pocket, a true pocket passer. But but I'm not saying that he's not athletic. But I mean, shoot, he went down to San Antonio for the All American Bowl, and I mean, he was he was by far the best quarter in my opinion. He was the best quarterback down there. Uh, maybe he should have been a five star when you look at it now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he wasn't too far off, uh, but. I mean, he's he can throw the football, and and you know he I mean he broke all the records in that game. Not to say that if you do well in that game, it's automatically going to translate because there's been a lot of kids that have done well that in that game that you know maybe didn't pan out at the next level. But um, he's got all the tools, man. He's he's going to be <laughs> he's going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West. I mean, um, you know, schools are going to have three or four years, uh, you know, of, of playing against Graham Mertz and so when you look at Horny Brooks you know especially this past year where he dealt with some concussion issues and um and things of that nature you know I, I don't think it comes as a huge surprise now the big question is what happens with Jack Cohn is he gonna does he up and up and go to if it looks like Mertz is gonna he'll be probably the guy? get the one reps for most of the spring yeah and they'll probably play that into August yeah, I mean they, sure. they have to keep Cohn on ice oh, yeah. they can't they can't run him out yeah but also, I think that they're pretty smart. I mean, I I remember dealing with Jack Cohn and, and his coach and his family during the recruiting process when Nebraska was re- basically it was him came and down, Jebbia. Yeah, it came down to him and Jebbia. Um, and so, I mean, they're smart people. They get it, uh, especially his coach. He's he knows recruiting and he knows all the, all the you know quote unquote games that, that are played and everything. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But I, I think that's that's definitely interesting that that uh, Hornibrook went ahead and put his name in the transfer portal this early. And think about the Big Ten West quarterbacks for the next few years. Adrian Martinez, Hunter Johnson, former five-star yep. uh, at Northwestern, Graham Mertz, uh, borderline five-star now at Wisconsin, um, Illinois, who's the kid from Missouri, the number one, he was like the number one guy in Missouri last year from St. Louis. Is he going to play quarterback oh, for Lovey? Uh, yeah, Isaiah um, Williams. Isaiah Williams. That's what they said. They said they are going to give him a shot at quarterback. So um, – He's, I mean, he's he's five ten, but we saw what a five ten really athletic quarterback could do at uh, at Oklahoma this year. Not saying that Isaiah Williams is Kyler Murray, but Isaiah Williams one hell of an athlete. And you know, Jeff Brom's going to have a guy. I don't yeah. know who who what they're going to look like this year, but the Big Ten West quarterback play is going to be maybe the thing that helps close this gap with the West, the yep. East. I mean, I, I really think you're going to see some elite quarterback play. With Martinez and and Johnson and and Mertz and and guys like that in this division, um, and Iowa um, still has their guy back again for another year. So um, the quarterback play in the West will be, I think, one of the better storylines to watch. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 